Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. and welcome to Pocket Buds, a back pocket podcast where I talk to my best buds about video games and stuff. For Melbourne International Games Week, I decided to celebrate by talking to as many people as possible. GCAP gave me the opportunity to talk to a whole lot of different developers for a brief time, hence the last episode being a multi-layered experience. However, I also got the opportunity throughout the week to have some longer, more fleshed out conversations with a couple of developers residing in the lovely city of Melbourne. For this episode, I got the chance to talk to Andy Brophy and Olivia Haynes, two Melbourne-based independent game developers who also happen to be married and working on games together, those games being Knuckle Sandwich and Surf Club. This episode was also recorded on a random balcony in the Acme building, so if you hear a weird little bit of Atmos here and there, I'm basically just putting you in the scene and really making it an immersive experience to listen to a podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. My name is Olivia Haynes. I'm an artist and independent game developer living in Melbourne. I'm currently making my first commercial game, which is called Surf Club. My name is Andy Brophy. I am a video game designer also from Melbourne. I'm currently finishing up a JRPG called Knuckle Sandwich. So what made you both decide to start making games? So I found a CD in like a games magazine when I was 10 that had just Game Maker on it, like a bunch of programs, but one was just Game Maker. And I was like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> and so, like, like, literally from then, like, since I was a kid, I just kept messing around with it as, like, a hobby. Um, it was only until I got to, like, 18, 19, I moved out of home, like, to the city and found people who did it professionally. And I was like, hell yeah, again. <laughs> and I guess the rest is just history, right? I just, just kept doing it and eventually ended up here. For me, I was always very interested in games when I was younger. Um, and I think subconsciously I knew I wanted to work in games, but I also didn't know that was a thing. And then it was sort of around grade 10 in high school. I got really into watching Good Game on ABC and started like getting into games more like seriously or being more, instead of just someone who plays games, being actually quite interested in gaming news and like developers, etc. like, you know, more under the hood in a sense. Um, and then sort of as I was finishing up high school, I found out that, yeah, you could study games, which I think for a lot of people my age or so, it's always quite a shock of like, wait, that's a job that you can do? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I moved to Melbourne to study games. I wasn't super into it at first. I was sort of unsure about what exactly I wanted to do with that. I thought, do I just want to be a concept artist? Do I want to... I didn't really think about actually making games, like the entire process of it. Um, and it was around when Bar SK opened in 2016 and I went there and I saw that there were just people making small independent games. I thought, that sounds really cool. And that's what I decided to put my energy into for the rest of my course. Kind of going off of... Because I've heard a few times from different people who are game developers that they didn't know that game development could even be a job, right? And so what does that feel like, that realisation of, oh, I can make a career out of making games? Like, what, 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 what was that moment for you? I don't have a specific moment. It was just kind of like it all kind of blends in together, you know? Like, I remember getting our first computer and, like, try I, I thought with making video game levels, it'd be, like, drawing on paper and then trying to, like, force it into the computer somehow and that'd make a level in, like, Donkey Kong Country and that didn't work. <laughs> and then, like, I remember making games, like, with Game Maker as a kid and uploading them to the forums online. I'm like, now how do I get money? <laughs> but I was, like, 12, so I was like... <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, really just... Yeah, there wasn't one moment. Even still now, I'm like, yeah, I guess this can work. <laughs> and I guess for you, Andy, you weren't necessarily thinking too much about, like, university and what to study per se. It kind of just happened organically where you started mm. making games and then sort of stumbled upon forums of other people that were making games. Yeah, yeah like, I didn't study it or anything. I just, I just did it for a hobby for so long. I already knew how to use the programs that I did by the time I became an adult. Um, which, you know, like, it obviously has its ups and downs, but... Um, yeah, I was, I was fine with that path, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think for me it was like, it was just like excitement and like this clarity because beforehand I was like, uh, you know, I, when I was in high school I did a lot of digital art. I was like a deviant art kid. I was always like posting art online, etc. And I was like, well, what, is, what is my career here? Like there's something here, but is it like is it graphic design? Mm. <laughs> Every artist thinks, oh, I have to do graphic design. Yeah. <laughs> so then, like, discovering that game design is something you could study, it was, yeah, it was, like, this moment of clarity and excitement and, like, yeah, this is the right path for me. I guess that's kind of, like, a thing where, like, you were finishing up high school and, like, typically people start thinking, what do I study? Where do I go for work? That kind of thing. So, like, yeah, yours hit this point where, like, yeah, you, you learn that just at the right time. <laughs> then you can be, like, okay, now I'm going to study it. <laughs> So that's cool. At what point did you start collaborating with each other? And what kind of sparked that? Um, 
I guess it was after we were dating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was after yeah. we were dating. Yeah. Sort of in 2018, Knuckle Sandwich started to uh, enter a very 3D era of game development. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was making a lot of like 3D sections for the game. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of came up about naturally. Like yeah. you started just asking me if I could pitch in here and there with creating simple assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in 2018, we made our first game together, mm. which was called Beyblade. It was a game we made in less than a week where you duke it out as Beyblades, like a multiplayer game. You get to build them. It was really cool, yeah. And um, yeah, I think it just made sense. Like we have the same kind of sense of humor and mm. stuff. Like even though our games, like our independent games are quite different, we have a lot of similar like design philosophies. We like agree on a lot of things yeah. when it comes to making games. Our aesthetics work together, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like a nice clash in yeah. a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andy's games are so like systems heavy and mine are just like, oh, I'm just gonna make like a pretty flower and that's and that's yeah. the game. <laughs> but now the flower has a system. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned that Knuckle Sandwich started coming into a 3D era, mm. I guess. Did it start just 2D? And, yeah. and did Olivia kind of bring in the 3D? I think so, yeah. Um, so it's always had like multiple different art styles all throughout it. And so obviously I was with someone who was also working 3D. I was like, do you want to add some stuff to it? We can do more. And then obviously it was really good and it worked really well. We added quite a bit more of the 3D, um, that kind of style. But um, yeah, initially... I was messing around with some ideas in 3D, but um, like I'm not really that good at modeling myself, so it didn't really work out as, as much. Yeah, I think Andy's really cracked at Game Maker. <laughs> like, he just knows how to do anything in it, so whatever idea he has, like, he can make it happen, even if it's in a program that literally doesn't support 3D. It, it doesn't support importing 3D models. I figured it out, though. I cracked the code. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it grabs like a model and makes like lines like, Every single point of the model is like a line in a text document. They're like 80,000 lines long, but it works. <laughs> it works. That's all that matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's stupid, it works. Well, I guess that's the kind of thing with making games. Like, as long as it works, it's mm. good, right? Yeah. And would you say that Knuckle Sandwich and Surf Club, respectively, are kind of your most ambitious projects to date? Absolutely. Yeah, um, Surf Club, 100% for me. Like, a lot of the games I've made before Surf Club, I think, are, like, um, were kind of experimental and, like, within um, the realm of my, like, capabilities, like, very, like, just, like, art and aesthetics focused. Whereas, like, Surf Club, it's, like, I'm trying to make my dream game in a sense. (laughs) It's a big step up from my previous games. And I mean, like... It is quite daunting, but at the same time, like, I've just been taking my time with it. If I want to, like, work on something else for a little bit during it, then I'll just let myself do that because I want it to just kind of feel like a, a natural progression of, like, my where my work is going kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's... What about you, Andy? Yeah, and it never really it started out that way either. Like, I just knew I wanted to make something a bit bigger than what I had made when I was younger. It wasn't meant to be this much bigger. It just... it Like, I used the base of, like, an abandoned Flash game to, like start this game around and just took a lot of pre-existing ideas I've had for games and put into this and it just kind of it blew up but in, in a good way I think like it's it, it says everything I think it needs to say. There's this kind of like myth of the soul developer where it's like mm. there's just you know the Undertale was made by just one guy yeah, and, it's just one and guy. He, he did everything <laughs> and it was so amazing that he did that uh, and then there's also uh, you know Stardew Valley and Eric Barone and you know he ruined his life making this game and I think that's kind of the, this ongoing theme of like if you want to be successful 
being just one guy making your own game, you have to work yourself to death and it has mm. to be uh, the bane of your existence. But from my perspective, at least, when I see you two making your own games, you're kind of like, I guess what I see is like the, the healthiest version is the, of the quote-unquote sole developer because you are mm. still doing collaborations yeah. in your game and outside of it. How do you go about making your game in a healthy way for yourself? I would probably just say like we've taken our time um, which not everyone has the luxury to do. Um, I think when you are, you know, a small team or a sole developer, or whatever, you can do that. And like, I don't think I could necessarily recommend it if you just want to get something out there. Um, but if you want to make something like the best it can be, predominantly alone or like mostly alone, like you just got to take your time with it. You can't crunch it. You just got to feel it out. You know. Yeah, I think there's a very like less than one percent of game developers are going to be like an a Toby Fox or an Eric Barron where they can sort of like devote their entire being to a project in mm. a sense but that's like that's not for everyone I mean like for me like I don't want to focus on one thing and I don't want to you know for a really long period of time like that's not necessarily an idea that like excites me like I want to just be able to experiment a bit in my life and if something else grabs my attention for a little bit then I follow that and you know like putting putting everything into your work, yeah, it just causes me, like, more stress than, you know, joy or anything. And I feel like when I actually stop and ask for help or try and fix, like, look at a problem from a different angle instead of just keep pushing through, it's, like, a lot more rewarding in a way. Um, you can get things done faster. Or things will just turn out better if, like, you're having a problem with something and instead of just continuously, like, trying to make it work, you just, like, scrap whatever it is that's giving you grief i think that's my thoughts on that i was just to elaborate on that at the end of the day it's just a job like even if it's a passion project or anything it's just video games like chill out it's not that serious yeah, <laughs> like, it's, not that serious. yeah it's just a job like whatever <laughs> absolutely and um also been mentioning that you've been working on other stuff you've been working with guck uh how's uh work on future folklore been like it's been really good i started working there early 2022 and after the pandemic I you know I'd been working on surf club during the pandemic and I really just I was struggling a lot with it and I really just wanted to be able to get out there a bit and do something else on top of it sort of throw myself back into the real world and also upskill a bit because I think just like staying at home it's like my brain was getting a bit stale so I've really enjoyed my role at Guck sort of as a, in a technical artist sort of role. And it's a project that's very important to the First Nations people on the team. So it's not my place to have any creative say in it, which means that I'm not using up creative energy while I'm there. So I can do that. I can feel like I'm um, contributing to a really special project, but then, you know, I can go home and still work on Surf Club without too much stress. And Andy, you have quite an active community already engaging with Knuckle Sandwich on Discord, and you've been quite forthcoming when it comes to updates on development. What makes you want to keep people so in the loop and be so transparent? Well, I mean, I think a lot of that came from doing a Kickstarter for a, a few years ago. I think without, like, as soon as, like, it becomes, like, a transaction, like, you know, like, money's involved, it's, like, you don't want to mess with people's trust, right? Like, they're putting faith in you to do this. You want to be, you know, pretty transparent and actually just let them know how things are going. Plus, you know, like, I... I, I mean, I, I can comfortably say I underestimated how much of a big project this would be. And even though I never set, like, a harsh date for its release or anything, I still feel when you do that sort of crowdfunding, people expect it, like, all right, pretty soon, right? So I just want to make sure people are always in the loop and they know how it's going. Especially, like, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes things happen. You want to make sure people 
understand that you're still doing other things outside of just every single moment of the day working on the game. And I think additionally, like my, some of my favorite parts of making games is just the the social side of it, of it's actually talking about it and actually engaging with people who are into your work. So it's just like another way I can do that. Yeah, there's like nothing really noble about being a super elusive developer mm. who does a Kickstarter and then thinks it's okay to like disappear off the face mm. of the earth and expect people to be like okay with that. You yeah. know, it's people's money. Like you don't know who who's supporting you kind of thing. It can yeah. often like kids that are using their pocket money and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's really good that Andy is just as honest with it as possible. I think he sets a really good example for crowdfunded projects. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. No, I do think like just to add to that as well, like I, I, I'm aware I have quite a young fan base as well, a lot of like teenagers and that or people in like early 20s and it's like, yeah, even if they're just spending like 10, 20 bucks, like that might be like their pocket money or something, right? Like they clearly care enough to do that. So you don't want to mess with that. And I feel like from what I've seen, and mind you, I may be biased just because I look at Australian developers a lot, sure. but I feel like with uh, indie industry at least, there is quite a lot of transparency around development. And I mean, it's a big question to mm. ask, but what do you think has kind of sparked that transparency in the Australian indie dev community? Transparency. I'm trying to think, like, did something bad happen? <laughs> <laughs> Who messed up and ruined it for us? <laughs> why, why can't we be secret anymore? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if it's, like, a byproduct of the fact that we are very supported by, you know, government funding bodies mm. and that it is quite accessible to get started in games and make it as a career. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. I wonder if it's, like, a product of rural in this together kind of mm. thing and you know it's a small community everyone kind of sticks together and wants to share yeah. how they're going and stuff yeah it could be something like that I honestly don't know <laughs> Olivia your past works as I've written about before have kind of mostly come from very personal places actually as forms of self-expression for you how do you think Surf Club kind of continues this trend for you if at all um, well Surf Club it's sort of based a lot on experiences that I went through in my late teens and early 20s you know I was sort of struggling with homesickness, um, figuring out my place in the world, you know, struggling with like the pool of relationships and memories from like a place where you used to be and the, the sometimes desire to go back to that even though you are moving forward in life, which is, yeah, that's kind of what the story of Surf Club is about. I also wanted to make something that like aesthetically represents where I grew up in uh, southeast Queensland the very unique like uh, flora and architecture and colors that you see there um, I really wanted to represent that in a game so it definitely continues the trend <laughs> kind of like triples everything that I was doing before <laughs> in terms of like how, per how personal I want to go <laughs> um, and I'm excited to I, but I still want to make sure it's like relatable to a degree um, and I hope people will like resonate with what I'm trying to say with it. We had this really cute moment a couple of months ago where Liv's parents are coming to visit us and Liv was showing them like just around the map of Surf Club and they're like, that's this neighbor's house and that's oh. this neighbor's house and they're up the hill. It's them. We remember this house. Oh, that's it was so, so lovely. Cute. Yeah. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, that kind of goes on to like how much of yourselves do you think you can put in your work? Like, is it 100%? Is it 80%? What, what do you think? Is it a percentage? Like, what do you think? Yeah. I think you can put your whole soul into the game. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I kind of just go with how I feel. Like, I'm not really interested in, like, making a game about, like, any traumas I've had in my mm. life or anything. But, you know, it's like if I'm, 
if I'm really fixated on something, like with my game Terracotta, I think that game is like based on St Kilda, like where we were living at the time during lockdown and I was like really just taking in my surroundings a lot at the time and that was just like what I was fixated on like actually just making and then the story of the game sort of came after. So it's very much intuition based. It's not necessarily me thinking I have to make this personal in a way. It just kind of happens. You're both what I call kind of darlings of the Melbourne indie scene. And how have you found the nature of the local dev community to be in your perspective? Pretty friendly, pretty welcoming. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been part of this scene for like a decade, you know, like seeing it explode this way and still be good. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I think at this point... I um I often keep to myself. I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit on the outside, I guess, because I I don't really um, put myself out when it comes to like uh, a lot of the big industry events. Mm. Like I sort of go to GCAP, but not really. Um, I don't work at one of the big studios here, and I haven't worked at one of them in the past. So yeah, I kind of feel like a bit of a not a loner, but like I'm just just kind of doing my own thing. Like me and Andy just sort of keep to ourselves in a way with our little group of friends. Um, but whenever it comes to Games Week, it's always really nice to like see people that you haven't seen in a year. Um, but like despite that, they're excited to see you and vice versa. From what I've heard, you're both very well respected. So Hell yeah. Do not worry. <laughs> Glad that's confirmed. Good. Um, this is kind of out there question. Not out there, but just out of what everyone we were talking about, but we were talking about games, so it's related. Would you say that the games that you play reflect the games that you make? Yeah. Definitely for you, Andy. Oh, okay. <laughs> you go, you go oh. first, babe. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 they do. Um, I don't know. I feel like I really stopped playing games when I started, like, really getting into making them. Like, every once in a while, I'll play something new that comes out, you know, but it's like I'm very much stuck in, like, old Game Boy Advance kind of era, like, 2D sort of stuff, which is, like, exactly what my game looks like, you know, those older JRPGs, all that. WarioWare, DS games, that sort of thing. That's just all my game is. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like I play, like, a very small pool of games mm. and just keep replaying those, like, eternally, like, you know, Sonic Adventure or whatever. <laughs> and, like, Pokemon, just replay Pokemon games eternally. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts, but just, like, the first two. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's, like, I say that, but it's, like, I'm, I think I am taking things from, like, those old games. It's, like, I'm taking the feelings they're giving me or I'm taking like really small pieces but I wouldn't say that because I mean a lot of my games have been um, walking simulator-esque or and I don't really play games like that per se. I think yeah it's not like we necessarily see a game that we like and we're like I want that part it's just it's kind of already absorbed into us you know like our brain activated when we were young playing these games and that's it. But at the same time I will 100% like choose to play a game based on its art style and whether I think that like that would be like, if it's a game I want to play just to be able to pick apart how it looks, yeah. I will choose games based on the, yeah, aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> I do get people ask me all the time, like, since, like, the rise of Undertale and those kind of games, like, a lot of people make their own kind of offbeat RPG, and they're like, have you played this? I'm like, no, <laughs> I haven't heard of it. Like, I don't play them. Like, I played Undertale because it's a good game, not because it's an RPG, you know, like, there's stuff like that. So I don't play anything modern that's like my game. I live in my own bubble. <laughs> Only I'm making this kind of game. <laughs> there has never been a game like it. No. <laughs> well, I mean, like, on that, I feel like... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, both of your games, the past games that you've made, and then also Knuckle Sandwich, they kind of have little and big Australian elements. Uh, like yours with, I mean, in Knuckle it is Centrelink, right? Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, great. Everything great. but name, yeah. Okay, cool, great. Just just making sure, just making sure. You got Centrelink, right? And and then obviously with the fact that you've lived in rural Australia and, and now Metro Australia, like you, uh, you've put a lot of that into your games. And... How do you go about integrating elements of like your experience of Australia without alienating an audience or do you just not care? I think my games, I really try with my art in general, whether it's just an illustration I'm doing or um, it's a game. I try and have a balance of fantasy and reality. I try and like portray things around me in like a whimsical way, like making the atmosphere kind of dreamy. So I think like with in that regard my work has been more like welcoming like people like how my games look they think my games are pretty and then if they pick up elements that are like more personal it can often just be you know something just a bit interesting to them kind of thing um i don't i don't think it's been alienating i intentionally don't care (laughs) 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 there'll be parts of the game where like you'll be asked a question of like something about like summer and people are like wait but it's december (laughs) or like you know talk about kilometers or like oh yeah it's fun to bait that stuff sometimes like get like a dramatic reaction from an american being like but wait like uh (laughs) 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 drats not again 40 40 degrees that's not hot yeah i'll very intentionally (laughs) just put stuff i could just say it's really hot i'm like no it's 40 degrees (laughs) you know like yeah yeah um can can i reveal the thing about like our games universes is that a thing they're set in the same universe (laughs) confirmed confirmed Oh, shit. Yeah, like 20 years <laughs> apart, but same universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you will see some familiar faces a- mm, across that. There are some references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Andy's got, like, uh, M- Melbourne covered. Yeah. Like, You've Bayside area, and I've got Southeast Queensland yeah. covered. We're, like, slowly recreating Australia. We need to find, like, another person from, like, Perth and, like, join them in a part of the multiverse. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> I can send you like a crude drawing of Sydney. Hell if you yeah! Need that. <laughs> I love that the the Haynes Brophy extended universe. Mm. Absolutely incredible. The brains universe, yeah. <laughs> the brains universe, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> God, that rocks. And you both have kind of had experience making a number of little games before you've gone on to this bigger project. Do you feel like the, hard to say the industry or just like the video game dev world is a bit more receptive to that now with having lots of little projects before your big project in the age of like the internet and itch.io and all that? I think, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, I think you generally hear the advice of make a small game before making a big game, right? Like it's not even about necessarily 
getting good at making games, it's getting good at releasing games. Um, that's that's definitely what you should aim for. So, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I remember, like, when I first joined, like, the community and I'd talk to people who'd been, like, you know, part of AAA and everything. They'd be like, oh, so what do you work on, you know? And I was like, oh, I made these little things. They're just a couple little guys, you know? And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you don't work anywhere? I'm like, nah. And they're like, oh. Whereas now people are like, I get it. And, like, people in Melbourne and, like, I mean the other parts of the Australian industry like they love small games mm. like the fact that like uh, my game Pool Party which is just such a tiny nothing game <laughs> that I made five years ago is like at Acme at the moment mm. and people are like oh my god I love it like that's like quite strange yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably like quite unconventional like in maybe other parts of the scene like you know it's not like pool party would ever be at gdc or something mm. but people in melbourne like they love small games like so yeah. many people you talk to them about their favorite games and they'll say like someone's like tiny itch.io project mm. is one of their favorites um yeah. so i think everyone's really encouraged to uh make smaller things uh, one of my favorite games of the past couple years uh, was this game on Itch called Goodbye Doggy, where you play the the ghost. It's really sad. It's fucked. It's actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> you play the ghost of this little dog who's just passed away, and you have to go around your house aiding your family and moving on. And it's really emotional, really cute, and, and done so it's, it, it's done in such a small yet impactful way, and it's gorgeous. And so on that note. Have uh, uh, do you guys have a little itch game that you've played that's kind of like stuck with you? I don't think it's on itch, <laughs> but it's still it's a little game. It was a little flash game called Air Pressure from like ten years ago, and it's this little yeah. I showed it to Liv only recently actually. It's this like, a little visual novel. It only takes like five minutes to play. It's got like multiple endings, that kind of thing, but it's about this couple that are. Um, you play as the guy, and it's kind of like he's feeling like he's falling out of love with his partner. And it's kind of like navigating an argument that starts up. Well, maybe the argument doesn't happen. You basically navigate just like one conversation that they have. Um, and there's different paths you can take. And it ends in very different ways depending on how you take it. And that really stuck with me. Very beautiful game, like visually, but then also just how it's written. And you can, you can tell it like comes from a very personal place from the author as well. So, yeah, that's, that's mine. There's just so many... Yeah. fantastic little games and I feel like as well the the world of itch.io and the ability and and what was the other game jolt I feel like with these platforms they're kind of like the new age of just posting your flash game online it's how easy it is just to make a page right like you just literally just upload the game put a title in, and you're good you know you can you can add any flair to the page you want but that's it like people I think people as well like they see the blank page and they're not thinking oh is this a virus yeah <laughs> like people know like okay this is safe this is this is good to go and you can just do whatever and i think that's really cool yeah um, and uh, the, uh, the funny thing is with itch.io as well is like mm. you can download a lot of these games and they do go are you sure mm. are you sure you want to down <laughs> uh, this might kill your computer and then it's like literally just like you play a little grape a little grape <laughs> going for a walk and it's like oh <laughs> Trojan, no. You never know. <laughs> you never know. These game develop. Actually, I watched a video recently about mm. viruses, mm. computer viruses, and how they've become so much more about money yeah, these right. days. But they used to be just all about fucking your computer up mm. and having a fun time. Yeah. And I think that's such a fascinating look at, I guess, the world at large, right? Like, yeah. everything's all about money now. Right? Yeah. yeah. There was this game that came out again, probably last decade or so, called Lose Lose. And it was this, um, this, this, like, this really basic shooter, right? Like Space Invaders style thing, right? Mm. 
But what every enemy would be would be a file on your computer. And if you shot it, it would actually delete that from your computer. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so it was made as like an art piece. Like it wouldn't, it wasn't yeah. meant to be a, like that part wasn't a secret. It was meant to actually. <laughs> yeah. Like that was, it told you would do that. And so it got listed as a Trojan by like all the things. Of course yeah. it did. How, how do you kind of feel about the rise of people posting their darn games online? It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not for it personally. No, <laughs> yeah, stop making games. Yeah, that's, that's enough. That's, that's too much now. We said everyone could make games and turns out they, they took that advice. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, like I haven't been in the games industry like for ages, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was about six or seven years ago now that I started making games and putting them online and it does feel really different since then like it really does feel now like that people are just genuinely making whatever they want like I felt like I was the only one making really like pink games back mm. then but now everyone's making games and it's sick it is cool it, it feels like back in the day like back in the forum days there'd be like maybe one cool game would come out a week and everyone talk about it and then we move on you know now it's like every single day there's too many it's great good problem to have yeah. yeah it is a good problem to have it's a fantastic problem to have and kind of going deeper into the act of making games this is a really broad question in your so you've been working on games for six years right around six years new 10 um, huh I, but you but you also are a child when you played around eight I was like 18 years or something there I we think. go yeah. <laughs> from your experiences has making games kind of become easier or harder or just very different or very much the same discuss on like a personal level it's like I don't want to just keep churning out little things anymore like I still like little games but I don't really have interest in that anymore like I want to make something that's actually kind of worth it which is why I've just taken so long making one big game so I think like making something really good has been really hard but then once I'm finished with Knuckle Sandwich maybe I can make a small game again and it'll be much easier to make something that I actually want to make with that um, so it's mixed it's very up and down it's like the act of making games is easier but it's like on a personal level making a good game like a remarkable game that's so much harder it's like when you start anything new like a creative thing it's like you suddenly like your confidence and your skill levels it kind of shoots up really quickly um, because you're just like so excited about the thing and your brain is taking it all in and then it kind of starts to plateau a bit. I mean, still slowly going up, but it's not as crazy as it is in the beginning. Like when I first started to realize I could make games and was actually doing it, it's like I couldn't sleep. It was like all I could think about. I was like, yes, this is the best kind of thing. Um, So I think like that drive per se is like a bit more like subdued. It's more just like, um, but I'm still like, I still find it really exciting. And I mean, it's definitely now that it's my job, it's got the inevitable sort of like, you know, stresses. It's not just a fun thing anymore. Um, But I still try and make it fun whenever I can. Like I try to release at least one small game a year that's not for profit or anything, just to put on itch.io, just to sort of keep it feeling a bit fresh. For me and to feel like um, I'm constantly being able to creatively express myself. That's actually a really good point you made and I'll pass it along to you Andy. How do you go about continuing to enjoy making video games? Taking plenty of breaks. I think take your time and take breaks. As we said earlier it's not that serious. Breaks are the cure for everything. Yeah yeah we try and get out as much as possible like just get out and see the world around us try and just get that inspiration back and I think that is very valuable. Yeah, if you're really just in a rut, I think just taking a break works, works wonders. 
Yeah. Of course, not everyone can. If you are doing this as a job, you know, one of the luxuries of being independent is you can do that. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and like I can't say that I relate to the experience of people who, you know, for example, work in um, a very large team and have gone through months of burnout per se. I mean, but I do relate to like a smaller on a smaller scale, and I think like you can still just like just doing other creative things just helps. You know, things like taking photos or cooking and stuff. Just like if you want to keep feeling. Like if if you want to like um, get yourself out of a creative rut, it doesn't necessarily help to stop completely. Mm. I mean, maybe in like extreme circumstances, but like I think it's good to just shift where your creative energy is going for a bit if you can. I agree. <laughs> the great thing about Victoria in particular is Vic Screen and is the kind of support that they're giving to the games industry. Do you think the government and kind of government funding has become a bit more receptive to supporting? smaller projects over the years? I think so, yeah. Like, I know there's been many shifts in sort of how the rounds operate with, like, funding and all that. And people are making all sorts of different types of games. I'd assume there'd be smaller games. Yeah. Yeah, I think generally just, like, culturally in video games, like, the respect for smaller games is Mm. really, like, shut up. You know, it's gone other days when people would be like, oh, this game costs money and you only play it for three hours kind of thing. I think that kind of attitude has died down and people are more about like quality, quality of time over quantity. And, you know, with Vic Screen, I think they just always want to support like new voices and like talent in the industry being constantly supported financially and also just in the community. So, yeah, like I don't think too many people in Melbourne like super care about making a big game. It's like a lot of people want to just make small to medium games there's only me (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yeah people can do that here and they are just as celebrated as people who make big games which is really cool i feel like there's this this very weird i can only describe it as weird kind Mm. of like idea that value like monetary value and time is something that should be connected Mm. in video games what's your take on that i'm never gonna make a big game again it was an accident. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the kind of games I like to play now, they're really short, they're brief, you know, often like one sitting can do everything. Um, should be more of that. <laughs> and when I make another small game, I'll charge full price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of silly. <laughs> Video games are art, man. And also, I mean... Even if you can beat a game in a short amount of time, like, I don't know, I replay games a lot. So I don't really see that. It's like you can play a game that's, like, kind of small, but you can still just, like, you can still gain a lot out of that. So, I, yeah, I don't really buy into that argument that those two are equal or related. I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, babe. <laughs> um, and last but not least, you know, we are here during Melbourne International mm-hmm. Games Week. We've got a uh, GCAP going into free play parallels, going into PAX. And um, cool thing about PAX is PAX Rising. There's going to be a whole bunch of really cool indie games. Is there anything being made currently in Melbourne that you've kind of had your eye on and you're very excited to see shown off? I think we're like the last of our friends to have released our big games. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else is making something. Like, obviously there's cool stuff coming out. Probably Mystiques. Because mm. it's like the dream team <laughs> of cool people making it. Um, it looks really sick. I'm 
very interested to see more of that game. And there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of New Zealand as well. I mean, they just had Dredge come out. Have you guys played Dredge? When we say we don't play games, <laughs> <what> do <you laughs> mean? <laughs> when my Steam page, like last year, did it's like Steam wrapped kind of thing. And it was like, you've played only one game this year. It was mine. <laughs> <laughs> what, your demo? Yeah, like because yeah. like when I test the game, it p- oh, comes up on Steam. Oh, it goes through Steam. Yeah, I'm not joking. The only game I played on Steam last year was my own. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. You know what? There are too many games that come out. There are just too many games. Choice paralysis. Well, I get choice paralysis, and then I just like freak out and boot up the GameCube. And <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Sonic Adventure. I'm coming. <laughs> on that note, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's like an old game or, or just come out or anything like that. Is there anything that you've kind of been able to, in your downtime, get your hands on recently that you've really enjoyed? When I was in Paris earlier this year, I finally bought a PSP, um, and I put a bunch of PS1 ROMs on it. Um, and I've been trying to slowly catch up on like PS1 games I've always wanted to play, but haven't. A particular one that I really enjoyed was uh, Klonoa, if you've heard of that game. That game rules. Um, again, that was a game that was like I, like, I chose it for its aesthetic, and it's so beautiful. Um, another game I've been playing a lot is um, sort of gotten into Pokemon Scarlet, finally, the one that came out last year. Um, I'm sort of a hater in the beginning, but now I'm having a blast. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, I found, like, uh, five shinies, like, instantly, like, when I started playing, and I was like, well, this has never happened. (laughs) I was like, actually, I like this game. (laughs) Um, My answer would be The World Ends With You, but, like, the original one on the DS, um, Olivia put me onto that. She's been saying for years, this is so you-coded, you'd love it, and it's really cool. I think that's the only new game I think. Have we played anything else? Um, Kill is an obvious one. It's always Pokemon as a baseline. We'll just keep playing Pokemon, but then occasionally we'll grab something Andy's else. And he's a competitive Pokemon gamer. He's right I'm into very good it. At it yeah. <laughs> well, I feel if you like The World Ends With You, it's not, it's not exactly like The World Ends With You. It's funny because it, uh, I think people who worked on Pokemon also made it. Have you guys played, um, I think it's called The World's End Club? I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Is it highly know? recommend? Hell yeah! I really liked it. I thought it was really, really cool. Okay. And kind of to round us out, how can we find you guys? How can we learn more about your games? Well, I am quite active at the moment on Instagram. I'm Olivia HNS on there, but with a zero instead of an O because it was taken. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, I still have um, I still have Twitter, which is Olivia HNS. Um, but I don't really like uh, post that much on there anymore. And also my website for Surf Club is surfclubgame.com. I'm <laughs> Andy Brophy on Twitter, except no O and Brophy, it was taken. Uh, same on Instagram, taken as well. Um, or you can find Knuckle Sandwich at knucklesandwich.biz. Thank you so much for joining me today to chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I had the pleasure of not having my name taken on Twitter but having my name taken on Instagram, so I can re- entirely relate to that. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ruby. This was great. <laughs> thank you. Miss you already. <laughs> and a big thank you to you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing, why not give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using? Better yet, why not give us a nice little review? 
And hey, if you really like what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more, consider supporting Back Pocket over on Patreon, where you can get access to our lovely Discord full of all sorts of buds. And if you support us at the silver tier and above, you can get access to even more audio content just like this. You can also find us on Twitch, where we've got our main live show every Thursday from 7pm AEDT, and on TikTok, where we're constantly posting very good stuff for you to cast your big, beautiful eyes on. And then there's the socials, a la Twitter and threads and whatnot, which you're also welcome to get around. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. And as me, but in Melbourne would say, bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.